Hi, I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The Collab. We are a collective of brand professionals sharing our career stories. Every week, we pair up two members and they interview each other, so you'll get to hear one episode this week and one next week. We're heading into our third year of The Collab, and you can join us too. Sign up at jointhecollab.com and then tell your story. Hi, my name is Pam Seidman, and I am here today with Cecilia Rembert. Her story is one that's informed by food and art and unlocking what inspires her the most. She's an incredible example of someone who's balancing a career alongside the pursuit of her creative talent. And I'm really excited to talk to her today about how she cultivates both and how one really informs the other. I also came to find out that, like me, Cecilia grew up in New York City, just a few blocks away from me. And now she's overseeing produce buying for the Park Slope Food Co-op in Brooklyn, which includes a focus on bags, which is interesting. And I just can't wait to talk to her. So Cecilia, tell us about your role at the co-op. Hi, Pam. Thanks for having me. At the co-op, I am one of two produce buyers. So we are in charge of ordering all of the produce, the fruits and vegetables and cut flowers and packaged herbs that the co-op sells. Amazing. I'd love to know how long you've been there and what you know, you spend your days doing. And today I noticed on the menu of items, there were about 10 different varieties of carrots. So I am so excited to hear a little bit about how it operates and how specifically you think about your days there and the time and how to make, you know, everything most efficient and and as amazing as it is. Oh, well, it's so fun. For those listening that might not know about the Park Slope Food Co-op, I believe it's the longest running member owned co-op in the nation. And it was founded, I think, in 73. So we're almost celebrating 50 years. And our membership is unique from other co-op memberships because we require every member to do a two and a half hours a month of work for the co-op. So you can't just walk in off the street and shop there. You have to be a member. You have a little member card. And it's kind of cool. Everybody works. There's no, you can't buy yourself out of your work slot, which some co-ops and other places do. We don't allow that. So it's kind of like, it's kind of cool because it's like an equalizer. Like All kinds of people work alongside of each other. We have about 13,000 members right now, down from 17,000 before COVID. We have a 6,000 square foot store and our volume is about a million dollars of sales a week. That is absolutely incredible. I know. It's so much. We turn over the entire store about once a week. Like if you think about the inventory, like the entire store turns over every week. And so we really need the member labor, the member work to make it possible for us. We're kind of like a buying club. Like we purchase everything wholesale and then we apply a 25% markup to it. And the 25% markup covers the operating expenses. And it's totally transparent pricing. You know, if we get something at a lower price, we sell it at a lower price. If we have to pay more for it one week, we pass that on too. You know, it's very, very transparent. So it's really cool as a, as a social experiment. It's, it's a very satisfying place to work. So our produce department, we have, we have almost 400 produce items right now. And that will go up past 400 in the, in the height of the local season. We work with a lot of local farms. We also work with some national distributors. We really have a really nice program, a really nice mix. That's incredible. And talk about building community. I can imagine when you do have to do your your time, your volunteer time, or when you're shopping there, 
you're interfacing with people that you know and you come to know and you know it must be a, just a, a lovely setting for kind of bringing people together both inside it and then when they're on the outside and bump into each other but it's it's a seemingly quite complex business given the perishable nature of of everything you're touching i guess i'm very interested to hear about your background and how that informed your your journey to get here alongside of the passion of art so tell us a little bit about that as a younger person like the two threads of my life were art and science. Um, I actually have a degree in biochemistry. Um, and I was in the Peace Corps right after college. And I worked with farmers there. And so that was kind of like an agricultural experience. But always I loved to paint. But I kind of didn't believe you could be an artist as a career. Like that, I, there was a kind of resistance to it. I think that I had maybe, you know, absorbed from my family. And so I thought, well, I'll study science, which I kind of wound up moving away from. This is a little bit of the short story of it, but I moved to New York in 2003 following the Peace Corps and just had kind of decided inside myself, you know what, I am going to be an artist. I'm going to figure out what that means to me and what that's going to look like. So what that meant is that I spent about 10 years waiting tables, um, <laughs> which was terrific. And while I was waiting tables, I also got a master's in fine arts and painting. And I also worked for a terrific painter and a very successful painter for five years as, a, as an artist assistant. And so I was both living this artist life and also living this life that touched food and it touched service industry. You know, there's a whole ethos to the service industry that was really kind of great to, to grow up in and to learn in. So it was really my service industry, may, maybe my Peace Corps agriculture um, and maybe the biochemistry degree, but probably not, that made me a good candidate for the produce department of the Park Slope Food Co-op because I came in with some knowledge of food and cooking. And I also also used to working in a high volume place. Terrific. No, that it sounds incredibly interesting. You know, I can imagine like the life cycle of the produce you're carrying and the zero waste model you, you we spoke a little bit about. And I'd love to hear more on that. You know, you're making an impact by way of, of the day-to-day -day work, and then even, you know, the afterlife of the end of life, what you're doing with it after expiration or at the time, you know, that it is turning. So tell us a little bit about how you think through the buying and and how you're going to, you know, work through it and then how you exit it to make it most, most useful and impactful for others. I'll just start by saying that we actually have very little waste, which I think is sort of what you're pointing towards, we do donate food to several soup kitchens or food pantries, one of which is our neighbor. And I think we are their main, one of their main donors. And so we organizations donating to them. And so we're sending our food scraps to them. So we have a pretty good like zero waste model. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good, especially for a grocery store. And in terms of like, how do we order so that, yeah, with ordering of produce, you want to find this sweet spot where you have it all because you don't want to run out on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. You don't want to run out of strawberries. That doesn't make anybody happy. But you don't want to come in on a Monday with 
so many strawberries that now, you know, they're going to start to mold. Everything is always changing is the best way to say it. And especially with fruits and the quality is changing and the price is changing and something won't sell for a few weeks and then suddenly just take off because the quality has just gotten that little bit better. Mm. And you're always having to adjust. We're always looking at what we have, what the inventory is, checking quality when we receive things. And when it comes to understanding what's what's out there, because you're using various purveyors, I would imagine, how do you actually plan the day so that forward thinking to what's coming in and and how does that process work? We map out our produce orders on Mondays and we map out the whole week. And so we we have certain vendors which come to us on certain days. Some come every day and others only have a few delivery days per week. And so that's 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 a big piece of the puzzle is like what can we get from whom and what days do they come? And then how much of it do we need to get to get us through until the next time they come? We map out the whole week every Monday. In terms of the other logistics, we receive the produce delivery every morning before the co-op opens. We start at 5 a.m. and we're usually finished by 8 a.m. So we start every morning with kind of a big push to get all of this produce off of our the co-op sidewalk and, and downstairs into the co-op coolers. And it takes a lot of people. It's actually a big effort and we do it every day. Wow, that's incredible. I'd love to talk a little bit about you know the, the two threads of art and food. And while really different, I can imagine there are certain pieces of each that inform the other. And whether it be through color or texture or smell, you know, love to hear a little bit about how they coexist in your life. So painting, you know, I got my master's in 2007. It was at the New York Studio School, which is in Manhattan, a really great program. I studied with really amazing painters, Bill Jensen and Margaret Luchik, who are both really phenomenal. Towards the time that I was making my thesis, I, I kind of went on this, this kind of wild ride where I started to deconstruct the canvases and like rebuild them. But I was layering in this wax, which I could do with oil paint, but I couldn't have it on canvas. I had to rebuild them on a wood panel. And then sometimes I was like adding materials into the wax and creating these like layered paintings. And that was kind of the start of this like this quest for like materiality. I prime my canvases with a traditional rabbit skin glue and I use a lead primer. I'm really interested in this sort of like tactile nature of them almost as like, they don't always look like that. But yeah, there's definitely like a a tactile quality and a um, material interest that I have in art. You know, and that's definitely different than produce, but there's a similarity. I have my hands on stuff all day, which is also really satisfying. You know, I have a very physical job, but it is like, it's very tactile also. Produce is also this sort of lexicon that's always revolving around in my head. And painting is too, you know, for me, um, I'm making these paintings that are, they're telling stories about my inner landscape. Right. And so I kind of have a, my own personal lexicon that I that I've been developing over the years, kind of like a s- abstract or semi abstract with mark making that is meaningful to me. Sometimes they're a bit like a memorial to a certain feeling or like a certain you know, event, like a time capsule of that, you know, like uh, encapsulation of it. So, yeah, they both kind of have a revolving lexicon and a tactile quality. Amazing. 
And when do you find time for your art, given you're up so early and I can imagine the days are long and vibrant? How and where do you do you fit the art in? So I had to really experiment with this because I struggled, as many people know, if you work full time, you're kind of tired. And I, I really struggled with like thinking I was going to paint when I got home and then just not not feeling like it. And so the solution that I hit upon has actually been really kind of great. I block off four days of my calendar every month. And I take the days off of work. I don't always take both days off. Often I'll I'll go in for one day and then just come home, but I won't plan anything else. I won't have any social events. So it'll be a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and that's a painting residency. And then, and actually that deep dive has been more productive for me than if I just tried to fit in, you know, a half afternoon here and a half afternoon there. It's a little bit disappointing because when the four days are over, I have to kind of say goodbye to my paintings for the next, you know, three and a half weeks. Sometimes I can sneak in a little bit, but it usually just doesn't really happen, frankly. But the painting residency, when it's starting, is like such a thrill. I'm not going to work. I'm not doing anything else. I just have this time. That's amazing. I think in in any career, time management and how do you balance balance life is a challenge for for all of us. So how you get there, um, and it sounds like you have. So that's really exciting. I guess I'll ask you a question. As you two questions, you know, you think through your path and where you are today, and just looking back over it all, and all you know, the education that you got and the time you spent in the Peace Corps, I guess, is there anything that you would have done differently or advice you would give to any young person thinking about, you know, wanting to pursue a a similar career and interest? There's nothing that I would have done differently, but I think I would have complained less. (laughs) Or maybe that would be the, because I definitely had to hustle, but I also had so many amazing opportunities, so many great people that were there, both in artists that I worked alongside, worked with, great jobs. I've, I've, I've had a lot of really nice sort of connections with the outer world, you know, in all sorts of career ways. And, you know, like you, you know, I'm a parent also, I have a nine-year-old and that is just like, it feels very, I mean, she's always really my number one priority. And, you know, and that has also been something that you have to sacrifice, you know, a little in order to make room for such a big priority but I didn't have to sacrifice totally. Like I was able to kind of work it all out, sort of being patient with myself also, and like looking at things over longer amounts of time, you know, like the painting residency. It's not ideal. I mean, would I like to be painting five days a week? Sure. But this is something I can do right now. So being a little bit patient with myself, patient with my circumstances. That's great. And I guess finally, what, you have so much to be proud of. (laughs) So what would you highlight as the thing that you're most proud of at this point? I'm proud that I have continued to paint for 20 years, that I've continued to nurture the vision that I have, follow that thread and seek out that vision. I'm proud that the co-op wanted me to be a produce buyer because that was a nice sort of gift to me to get to do something so fun. Yeah, I'm proud of both of those things very much. Amazing. And you should be. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you and hearing your story. I loved it. I hope everyone else loved it too. Thank you, Pam. It was so much fun. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thanks so much for being here for the Collab Career Stories podcast. Please follow us on social media at Join the Collab and sign up to become a member and share your story at jointhecollab.com.